Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Nikki Owen. Nikki is UK's leading charisma expert and the founder of Charisma Model Program. In addition to her current endeavors, for five years, Nikki ran Charisma seminars at Shakespeare's Globe Theater. She's also an award-winning keynote speaker, having won awards such as Best Speaker 2013 by Vistage International, a London Speaker Factor in 2012. She also won the award of the Rising Star in 2011 uh, from the Academy of Chief Executives. Thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you, Christopher. It's good to be here. So can you talk to us a little bit about kind of what are the benefits of cultivating a more charismatic personality? Well, typically, I work within a business environment with business leaders. So the, the, the advantages in a business scenario is that business leaders who are charismatic outperform their non-charismatic peers by something like 60%. They're more successful, they're healthier, and they create better relationships I think uh, for somebody looking to create an impact with somebody very, very quickly, that those people that have that charismatic air about them will find it easier to engage and attract more women. Nikki, I know one of the things that you talk about is charismatic behaviors, and it's one of the mechanisms that you use for teaching charisma. Can you talk a little bit more about your approach to teaching charisma? Well, I, I stumbled a bit when I was looking for the key that would enable anyone to develop more of their charisma because I, I studied a lot of charismatic icons. And my issue was that when I was looking at their behaviors, um, different charismatic guys would exhibit different charismatic behaviors. So with some, eye contact was really important. With others, it was all about the tonality. With others, it was all about being present and the connection. And I suddenly realized that I couldn't really replicate charisma by teaching it at a behavioral level. And what I realized is that I had to uh, turn it on its head a little bit and teach it from the inside out. So for me, charisma is when the individual is being completely authentic. So when you are being completely you, without any wall, without any pretense, without playing any role, without playing the part you think you should play, and you're enjoying what you're doing, I believe you shine in your own special way. So I work from the inside out. Nikki, that makes a lot of sense. We often tell our clients that your confidence is communicated when you're comfortable with yourself. With that said, I'm curious, if somebody wants to develop the skill, if they want to learn to be less inhibited, to live more in the moment, to be more authentic, what types of things can they do? Well, I think the first thing is that uh, to be totally true to who you are is to recognize that um, who we are right now is based a lot on the programming that we went through, um, particularly in the first six years of our life. So in the first six years of our life, we are like giant iPods. So we will see something, we'll record it, and we'll download it without any sense of whether it's good or bad for us. So often, in terms of our self-esteem, we run the programs as an adult that were actually established often when we were kind of three, four, five, six years old. So the first thing is being much more consciously aware 
of how we're feeling because it's almost like we can be very guided by um, how authentic we're being if we really pay attention to our emotions and our emotional guidance system. And if you think about it, there's only two key emotions. There's emotions that make you feel good and there's emotions that make you feel pretty bad. So if you're getting feedback that you're not feeling great, then it's your unconscious mind whispering that you need, you're working out of alignment with your core self. And I think that particularly in our culture, you know, we tend to kind of do things by process, by a set of steps, um, by what we decide as the rules and by logic and sequence. And we've stopped listening to our heart. And that's why I believe that when we can start to be more self-aware, we begin to open up a, a whole gold mine of possibilities that enables us to really connect with others so that we start to feel what they feel, which is a real skill and a real advantage. I mean, really, that's the basis of empathy, right? Like, is it having the ability to feel what other people are feeling? Yes, in a really deep level, you know, so that, uh, you know, you, you get a sense of somebody's feeling a little bit sad or you get a sense that they're anxious, you know, at the top of their chest, maybe. Or, you know, I, I notice things like, uh, you know, the alignment of the shoulders. So, you know, the left side of the brain, which is all to do with uh, logic and male energy, shows up on the right side of the body. So that if somebody's got um, a shoulder that's slightly raised, um, it can suggest that they're a little bit inhibited with strong masculine energy so actually that's really great feedback for a guy because he needs to be much softer in his approach if, if that makes sense i think it does make sense i think that there's a lot of guys who are very inhibited who are listening to this we often tell people when we're working with them that it's always mental especially from a dating perspective you start having to work past your own issues right your own anxieties your own programming and then you have to navigate oftentimes especially in a relationship other people's. <laughs> and so for people who are trying to work through their initial programming so that they can be more open, so that they can be aware of uh, not only themselves, but these little intricacies like the example of the, the raised shoulder and what that could potentially represent. How does somebody get to the point where they are open so they can be cognizant of these things? It's paying attention and it's being completely present and completely in the now. So, you know, energetically, our energy goes where we focus our attention. So if we're kind of looking at somebody, yet yeah, we're thinking about what we're going to say to impress the woman or the, the guy in front of us, then our attention is really on ourselves and yeah. our, on our own thoughts rather than on the person in front of us. And I think it's really important that that whole ability to be really present and really focused on them so that they feel that energetic connection. Because I believe that charismatic people um, uh, do fantastic things with their energy. They're able to uh, stimulate high energy levels in other people, yet they're also open so that they can absorb energy from the other person. So it means they can then give back more energy and the other person gives back more energy. So it's all about really, for me, it's about being really honest with how you feel, being really present, being very self-aware. And I think that relationships are a really great 
personal development opportunity because you learn more about yourself in a relationship or even in trying to get a relationship because in my view and it's only my view is that you know every every woman or or man we encounter is a projection of how we feel inside so how we feel about ourselves will be projected and magnified into the outside world so i think it's it's about accepting that it's okay to be vulnerable um you know i, I think that uh, you know i work with a lot of guys and they put up this kind of macho wall there's an expression we have in the uk i don't know if you have it in the states um and it's about oh man up and uh, it's almost like if you're hurt you have to kind of put on a brave face and just get mm-hmm. on with it and i think that's sad sometimes because i think that we've been so good at um uh putting up walls that we actually have erected all these walls around us that nobody can get through and nobody really feels the essence of our heart so i think that allowing yourself to be vulnerable um screwing up a little bit it's okay funny enough the guys that are too slick too polished they really will turn women off. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, it's interesting because um they they they've been doing a lot of uh studies of charismatic speakers. And uh the there is a structure to charisma. There's an actual process that people go through to give a charismatic speech. So when they start, they have to start by being really a bit nervous. so that they build a connection with people who are much more feelings based you know and much more kind of sensitive so that the people who are really sensitive feel a bit sorry for them and think oh you know and and they're open to them and then they start to get more confident and they start to pick up the pace so that they're bringing the audience with them so i think it's okay to show a touch of vulnerability if that vulnerability is genuine and it's not contrived the thing that turns me off and and I've seen kind of really not work within many contexts is when people try to be something they think the other person wants them to be and it's a recipe for disaster it's about you know because if 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 the person doesn't absolutely think you're fantastic for all your imperfections and it's your imperfections that make you exquisitely perfect if somebody doesn't get that about you then they're not for you i think it's good advice it's funny cuz i was thinking about i mean maybe think a few things one i was thinking about obama and obama would do something slightly different in my lifetime he's like one of the most charismatic speakers i've ever seen he doesn't really start off nervous but what he does is he starts off he connects to the audience and the way that he does that when he does it the best if you go back and look at like some of his foreign policy speeches he'll start by talking about for example a common history or common stories or people that he admires um from another culture and he'll start to build a, a rapport with the audience before he begins to pick up the pace and he's just incredibly effective at it but it's the same type of concept he doesn't come off nervous but he does allow himself to be vulnerable as he pulls people in before he takes them along and picks up the pace on his journey he has integrity with it as well so uh, and and for me um obama has been best when he's been campaigning 
because then he absolutely speaks from the heart. These his words, his rhetoric, and he's he's evangelical, and he 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 gives people the impression that he sees them as individuals. He talks to them. He's very present with them. And Bill Clinton, one of your other president, you know, also was phenomenal. I don't think, I think if you were to ask me who is the most charismatic leader of all time, in my opinion, having studied so much footage of charismatic leaders, Bill Clinton has to figure right up there because it's almost like you could feel his energy before he even kind of like uh, you were aware he was in the room. You felt, you know, uh, he had this aura. When somebody walks into a room, there is an aura and you can feel it. And I think you're right. Obama's an incredible campaigner, but Bill Clinton, like it proved during the last campaign when he he gave a, a speech on Obama's behalf, just how incredibly good he is at connecting with people. I heard our commentator talk about him as the communicator in chief or something like that, but they're like, he takes really complicated ideas and makes them accessible to people and connects with them on a very deep level. And that's really charisma. It's about being utterly authentic and connecting with people at a deep, deep level. So if you bring your wall down, if you bring your mask down, then other people, if you're in rapport, will bring theirs down. And if a guy is concerned about the way he looks, what impact are you having on you, your energy, your confidence, and also what impact are you having on the women that you're approaching or you're in a relationship with? Because their unconscious mind will unconsciously feel what's going on with you energetically. So if you beat up on yourself all the time, they will unconsciously feel that and it won't feel good. And they'll just unconsciously want to put some distance between you and them. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense. I, I mean, actually, I was coaching. I coach mostly men, but every once in a while, I'll take on female clients. And I was coaching a girl the other day and wonderful. I mean, I, I, I think she's great, but she was she's struggling with some internal stuff and she had. Uh, a guy tell her basically that every time he meets, they, well, they broke up and she, he said, every time I meet with you, I don't want to do an hour of fixing our past problems or fixing or damage control was the term that, that he used. And I told her, well, think about it from his perspective, right? So like in our classes, we'll often say good experiences lead to good expectations, good expectations lead to better emotions or good emotions. And he hangs out with you. And every time he hangs out with you, he does damage control. That makes him feel bad. Then when he's around, he expects to feel bad. And then pretty soon when he starts thinking about you, he's feeling bad. So he's just like, I, like, why would I want to put myself through this? Exactly. Yeah. My big, uh, one of my big mentors was Tony Robbins. And that's where I got that, you know, it, you know, the, the quickest way to condition someone is to feel bad. Look at their face, feel bad. Look at their face. So if you're feeling the other person's pain and you're looking at their face, I think this is why marriage guidance is so unsuccessful because they get people to say, so what issues have you got with this person? So they're, they're feeling their pain, they're feeling the anger, they're looking at your face, they're feeling the pain. And then next day, they're feeling absolutely fantastic. And then they, they see your face and immediately they're in a feeling of pain again because yeah. your face has triggered that feeling of pain. And wouldn't it be nicer to say, what was it about this person that you first fell in love with? Absolutely. How does somebody get out of this? 
Like in her case, I told her, I'm like, you're right now in your head and you're, you have the, all these emotions bubbling around and you have to get out of your head and into the world. And we came up with all these strategies, but I know that you have a lot of those strategies and I, I would love to hear about yours. I know you talk about these five internal attributes of your charisma model and how they tie together. Can you talk a little bit about that? So for me, there are five, well, first of all, I believe that we are all born with charisma. That's the first thing. And, you know, if you look at the attention a tiny baby gets, you know, it, it's effortless. And yet as we go through life, you know, we go through life, we might stand up in primary school and everybody laughs at us and it hurts and we put up a wall. So, you know, we spend our whole life putting up walls to protect ourselves from getting hurt. So I believe that the, every wall that we put up to protect ourselves disconnects us from our natural charisma. So I feel that the way I work is that I don't need to teach people anything much. I just have to help them to reconnect with what is already inside of them. So they just light up like a, a, a kind of a, a Christmas tree. You know, it's, it's instant. It's really um, stunning. And uh, there are five internal attributes that will determine what percentage of your charisma uh, you're actually utilizing. And, and I have a charisma profile that people can, can fill in just for fun if they want. Uh, so there, the first is self-esteem, because if you don't particularly like yourself, how can you expect anybody else to like you? If you're not comfortable in your own skin, if you don't particularly feel good about you, that will unconsciously be felt by the other person. So self-esteem is really important. Being And people who are comfortable in their own skin, they come across as very genuine and very authentic. Uh, sensory awareness is really important. So if people who've got too many walls up, they're not even aware of what they're feeling moment by moment. Whereas I bet if I asked you, could you think of uh, someone right now that you're really attracted to okay so the, the girl i'm dating for example okay so so just think about her for a moment and just imagine the way she looks at you and what's the emotion that's come up in you right now mm, i feel good okay where do you feel good uh, i would say like in my upper head area around my temples and eyes great so Every emotional reaction actually creates a physical, it, it's held in the body. And yet often people aren't aware of that. But, you know, so they don't know how to interpret these things that just happen in their body. So having that sensory awareness um, means that you're enabled to allow your emotions to guide you in terms of are you on the right track or aren't you. So sensory awareness is really important. Um, to have a compelling vision you know, often, um, you know, people um, will tell me what they don't want in a relationship. Um, but when I say to them, well, what do you want? They don't know. So if you haven't got a compelling vision of the sort of person that you want to attract into your life, then it's going to be difficult to motivate yourself to actually take any action towards it. So your driving force and your compelling vision are two very, you know, very linked things. They would determine how you feel. And then, uh, and also, if you ha have a belief that the woman that you really want is out of your league, 
and you're settling for what you think you can get, that's not exactly very compelling. So, uh, you know, there's, it's about being absolutely honest with yourself. This is the sort of woman I want and this is my vision. And therefore that's what I'm going to go out and get. And those four elements will all have an impact on your energy. So I look at um, this model, which I call the symbol of star quality, which looks at self-esteem, sensory awareness, uh, driving force, compelling vision, and energy. So they are the five elements. If you make a tiny change in just one area, it has a significant impact on your charisma. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows, attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. It makes me think of another guy I coached a few years ago, and he was embarrassed because he had married a girl and had two kids with her who he was never attracted to. And he did it because he settled. At this point, they were divorced. And I said, you know, that's not something you need to be embarrassed about. It's just reality. I mean, you still love your daughters, but... If you're not excited about your relationship, you got into it because it's kind of all you thought you could do. Not a very compelling reason to stay into it. I usually tell people you want to date your fantasies. Oftentimes when guys go out and date their fantasies or girls go out and date their fantasies, and I'm not saying like if you have a fantasy about Kim Kardashian, you should go date Kim Kardashian. But what I'm saying is what are kind of the attributes, the type of people you think you want? Oftentimes when people do that, they realize, well, actually, I need to tweak that a little bit. I think this is important or this isn't important. But I think what you're saying makes so much sense, having these compelling goals. Do you have any tips for... I mean, you said to be really honest with yourself, but do you have any other kind of tips for drawing or writing out these aspirational goals uh, so that people feel compelled? Yes. So um, the first thing in terms of a compelling vision, uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, the best question to ask yourself is what's important to you in your relationship? And you keep, so ideally you'd, you'd want to do this with uh, perhaps, you know, somebody like you, one of the coaches there um, to actually, or have a really good friend who can ask you what's important to you in a relationship. What else is important to you in a relationship? What else, what else, what else? And you want to keep going till you have a minimum of 12 things that are important to you in a relationship. And then you order them in order of priority of importance. So you put the top one, you know, the most important one at the top, the next important one and the next. So you have a whole list of what's really important to you in a relationship. So when you have that criteria and you go and you meet a woman, you can ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, 
how well is this woman here satisfying my most important value of trust, for example, on a scale of one to 10. So you can actually be quite scientific about how, you know, the, the kind of the, the vision, how what's important to you matches with the sort of women that you're approaching. So I think it's um, that's really important. So that would be one tip. Um, another a couple of uh, more unconventional tips I've got generally, I'm a real believer in investing in something called um, emotional freedom techniques or, or tapping. Um, so this is where, you know, when, you know, it, it's working from the position that the, the better your self-worth, the more comfortable you're going to be with other people. So um, if you're not comfortable in your own skin, you have blockages and issues that are much better being released. And when we go through our life, we experience different trauma. And, it, it you know, trauma doesn't need to be massive, massive trauma, but it could be that maybe a girl in a fourth grade um, was nasty to you and it upset you. And in fact, rather than you going into the classic fight or flight response, you froze and you buried that trauma. And it's a bit like trying to hold a beach ball full of air underneath the water. It's exhausting. And so by the time we get to adulthood, we're actually holding a lot of trauma within our energy fields. So tapping is a bit like uh, acupuncture, but without needles. And you can do this yourself. So you can Google tapping or EFT, and it will give you lots and lots of suggestions for releasing anxiety, releasing insecurities. And you effectively tap on uh, the endpoints of the meridians um, while you're feeling the negative emotion and you notice that the emotion literally feels as if it's intensifying and then it's released. So um, for me, it's it's find out about tapping or emotional freedom techniques because uh, that gives you a real cool tool that you can use just before approaching a woman, just before you meet somebody on a date, and it will ensure you're feeling calm and in a good resourceful place. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, I, I've never heard of EFT, but I have gone through some body movement classes, and it, I was amazed to see how our emotions are tied to our physiology and how these experiences or trauma can get tied up in our physiology. We'll hold it in different muscle parts. And uh, I've said this before in these interviews that I'll never forget when I took my first body movement class, every single day somebody would cry. And it was not because what the teacher was asking us to do was physically painful, but she was trying to get our bodies into a more natural position and to release tension. And sometimes as people were learning to release tension, a body part in their legs or their shoulders and their, their arms, uh, they would find either past physical trauma or emotional trauma and it would come out and um every single class the men and the women were crying and it was um and really an intense emotional experience but like i felt so much better and everybody else in the class as we started to release a lot of this tension that we were carrying around and got our body closer back to its natural alignment so um although i've never heard of that technique i know that what you're talking about is, is rooted or founded in something that's very real it's deep and that that's the point it's deep so this is not a technique that masks the cause because the anxiety that you feel 
you know, for, for a lot of people, it might be out of proportion to what it should be in that particular situation. So a little bit of anxiety is good because it's, it's what's the difference? Is it anxiety or is it excitement? You know, because you almost feel it in a very similar place. Uh, yet if it's so big um, and so intense that you find yourself kind of not being able to speak or not really being able to articulate or communicate or you feel kind of, you know, dumbstruck, then that's not good. So usually that surface anxiety has a root and it actually the roots can go back to something that's years old. And by tapping, you're just allowing old anxiety. I'm talking about anxiety. It can be used for any negative emotion, whether it's sadness, fear, frustration, uh, you know, whatever it is. Uh, the minute you start tapping, and the great thing is you can do this yourself. It is a technique that is simple. And I think it's going to be bigger than hypnosis, uh, much bigger than neuro-linguistic programming, Reiki, kinesiology. It, it's really big because people can use it instantly in the moment. And within seconds, people feel a, a sense of release and they're ready to go. They're in good shape. So that would be another one. Um, there's another absolute key one that I really believe, and that's to do a daily meditation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, when you think about it, you know, like right now, you know, your 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 head is, in, you know, Christopher, I can see the thoughts are kind of like, you know, you're a really quick thinker. In fact, I would imagine that sometimes for you, the challenge is to slow it right down if you're speaking to somebody who's kind of talking a little bit slower because the thinking is so quick. You're there. You're, you're, you're 10 steps ahead of everybody else. I can feel it in, in, in your head. And, you know, when we switch off and we quieten that inner dialogue, um, we actually connect with what I call um, the universal flow that absolutely aligns us and gives us a sense of balance. So to spend 10 minutes on listening to a guided meditation where it keeps your conscious mind occupied on this lovely journey so that you can have an almost like a, a thought type rest and it clears your mind, it means that you can start every day with real volition and purpose and in a really resourceful state. And we're doing all sorts of trials, um, it, you know, in the UK at the moment. And we're really proving that just 10 minutes of listening to a guided meditation is really helpful in terms of allowing people to be more authentic and more present with themselves and other people. Do you have any recommendations for guided meditations? Because I think that as silly as it might sound for some people who have experience with this, for people who don't have any experience in meditation, they don't really know where to begin. And so for those people, either a couple quick tips or recommendations for some guided meditations that they can use to start this process. Okay, so um, a couple of uh, pointers. The toughest, most advanced form of meditation is actually to make your mind free of any thought. That's really advanced stuff. And I remember when I first started getting into meditation, I got really panicked that I couldn't do it. And I just found it too difficult to sit still for 10 minutes. 
So, uh, you know, the, the, the easy way to start is to just literally go onto iTunes or Google um, guided meditations. And ideally, you want to uh, guided meditations with binaural beats. So binaural beats are, they work with the, the, the frequency of the brain. So when we're in a, an alert state, we're in kind of like beta, we're, we're, we're kind of vibrating at quite a fast rate. And yet in a meditative state, which is where we're at our most creative, where it's regenerative, re, sorry, it's nourishing, it's healing, we can manifest that that we want, um, we need to go into what we call theta. So when you're looking for guided meditations, look for guided meditations with binaural beats, guided meditations and theta healing, and and just listen to them and get a sense of whether um, you can connect with the listener. And ideally, um, you you want to have uh, you you want to be aiming to meditate ideally every day for for ten minutes at the start of the day you know, before you really get into the routine of your day. And and just notice how it feels. It will be extraordinary for your confidence. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about meditation. I mean, probably the extent of my meditation is when I go to yoga and afterwards there's, well, I, I would say some, from time to time, like I'll just rest and clear my brain. But um, one of the times scheduled is like when I go to yoga. And uh, I don't really know about some of these beats stuff that you're talking about. I don't know a lot about it. I'll do research because I find it fascinating because one of the things that came to mind was at the end of yoga, they hit that. I don't even know what the heck that is, but it starts vibrating and, uh, it tuning fork. A tuning tuning. fork. Yeah. It gives yes. me, I, well, I don't have a tuning fork, but it makes the same sound as a tuning fork. It's some type of singing bowl. Like yeah, that. essentially. Yeah. And it gives me shivers. Like I can feel the vibrations literally going through every inch of my body. And, um, it always makes me feel more relaxed. <laughs> I, I was, the girl I was dating, I started playing like, something I downloaded off iTunes. I guess it was singing bowls or something. And she started laughing at me, but you know what? It helped me go to sleep. It was great. <laughs> so like, um, what you're talking about, there's definitely a very close correlation again between sound and our different emotional states and our energy because sound really is just a form of vibration. Yes. And we're all energy beings. When you look at us, um, at, that our tiniest, when you look at, uh, you know, us, you know, in a quantum physics perspective, you know, we're vibrating uh, packets of pulsating energy that constantly changes and moves all the time. So, for example, um, you know, we are con continually transmitting and receiving information on a particular vibrational frequency. So it's a bit like when you tune into a particular radio station, you get that radio station. You can't get any other radio station on that frequency. So when we're, when we're transmitting on a frequency, our emotions determine the frequency that we transmit at. So if we're transmitting on a frequency of feeling like a loser, feeling like a loser, there is no way that we can connect with anything other than feeling like a loser on that particular frequency, which is why being aware of your own emotions and your own energy is the first key step to beginning the attraction point, you know, perspective. You know, you cannot attract 
towards you that that you're not feeling yourself within. For some people who are listening to this, if this sounds too new age, I could break it down in what might seem like more practical to you. Like essentially your eyes pick up colors and all colors are, are frequencies of reflected light. Your ears pick up sound and all sound is is essentially frequencies of vibrations. When you're speaking to somebody and you're communicating to somebody, or all they're picking up essentially is vibrations that you're putting off. So I could go down further and further and further through deeper in each of our senses, but if you're listening, that might be a practical way to think about something that might not really seem that practical. We could even talk about heat in the same way and touch and the stimulus that comes off uh, physical contact. But if you think about each of your senses, um, that might be a, like a, a simpler way to process some of the things that Nikki's talking about in a way that you'll actually be able to see or hear, or smell or taste or feel. But uh, this is great stuff. You talk a lot about deep emotional intelligence. Do you mind giving a few tips for things that people can do to develop that because I know it's really connected to all the different ideas that we've been talking about, but some specific tips for developing deep emotional intelligence. So the, the quickest way to develop deep emotional intelligence is daily meditations uh, to actually pay attention to your emotions. So your emotions are really fantastic feedback. So if you're beginning to notice your emotions, you can ask yourself, okay, uh, why am I feeling this? What's this about? And actually listening to the whispers from your unconscious mind, because your unconscious mind um, is so much more powerful than your conscious mind. You know, it absorbs, you know, two million bits of information every moment, as you probably know, um, in contrast to the seven chunks that we process at any given moment. And yet for most of us, we, we, we've kind of buttoned down the hatch, we've closed the door on allowing that kind of, you know, woo, unconscious mind thing kind of coming into the surface. And yet the unconscious mind is like a gold mine of resource. It's like having your own life coach um, living within you all of the time that has the most extraordinary wisdom. And yet we're not tapping into it. So it's really paying attention to what am I feeling? Oh, what's this about? And honoring those feelings and being honest about those feelings and trusting your gut and trusting your vibes. I really believe that, you know, your first impression within seven seconds, your, and maybe I'm, I'm a, a little bit kind of, um, I don't know if this is what you believe, but I feel that your intuition and your instincts will tell you in seven seconds everything that you need to know about the chemistry and the fit with the person that you're going to meet. So if you're really open, you'll get it straight away and uh, you'll feel it. So if, you know, and that's what I love about, you know, when you're in real deep rapport with people, you can actually feel what they're feeling in your own body. I want to be practical Yet the quickest way that I learned to develop my own emotional intelligence is I went and joined a psychic circle for 18 months. And I learned how to tap into other people's energy. So I started to be able to feel their energy. And it was really great for me. So I, that's quite extreme. Yet I think just being a, paying attention to your vibes and your instincts are really, really important. So that and meditating and also uh, using tapping to release your stuff because stuff and baggage stops you 
from being sensory aware. I think it's fascinating. I'm definitely not a psychic person, but I met with a girl who she was a psychic in New York City. I still don't believe that she could see the future, but she could pick up on changes in human interaction much quicker than just about anybody I've ever met. If there is a shortcut to figuring out how do I develop my empathy and the things that I've experienced and learned, that would be first, clear your mind, let everything in your mind kind of goes. Second, be aware of your yourself and your environment. Third, allow that awareness to expand to the other people in, in the room and then use that information that we all give off to feel what they're feeling. I, and, and I love the fact that you make it so easy, Christopher. There's one other little thing that I think people should try that will instantly open your awareness. So we have two ways uh, of, of seeing. So we have what we call foveal vision, where our vision is very concentrated and very specific on a small area. And then we have what we call peripheral vision, where we kind of, it's the, the vision we use when we're driving a car. So we're driving along, but our awareness is almost all around us. And so it's almost like you imagine that somebody is wearing a bindi in their, on, their, on their forehead and you imagine focusing on that bindi and then you expand your awareness so that you're aware of everything that's going on in the peripheral. You relax your jaw muscle and in that moment, you'll notice your senses feel as if they've been turned on and you're kind of noticing really subtle things that you would never notice if you were looking specifically at their eyes. So by actually kind of expanding your awareness, uh, you'll, you'll start to pick up subtle nuances that give you indications of what the person is thinking and feeling. I actually got to a point where I would avoid making eye contact, for example, on the subway or whatever, because I was so sensitive to what other people were giving off that I would pick it up and I would carry it. Kind of strange, but I just realized I'm like, this is too much for me. And so I had to actually start to close down a little bit in order to get through everyday stuff, which is might sound strange to people, except for the people who've watched me interact with people and pick up things that they didn't know existed. But I think that the stuff that you're talking about is really quite awesome. And I know I'm getting over on time. I would love to have you come back and talk some more. Are there any kind of last tips or strategies, things that people can use in order to be more successful in their personal life, their dating life, their social life, to just kind of be more charismatic individuals? The most important thing for me is just to accept that you as you are is perfect. And that, you know, it's people have all sorts of assumptions of what they think women like or are attracted to. And actually, you can do yourself, you know, you can make yourself crazy by overthinking it. And, and it's just about relaxing, having fun, enjoying it and seeing the process of dating as a whole big adventure because you learn more about yourself than anything else. And what are they going to say? What's the worst they can say? No, they're not interested. Well, okay. So that's that's at least one, you know, that you're not going to end up with. So that's good. It's so much better that you know that than thinking, oh, I wonder if I'd have approached her. Would she have said yes? Would she have started talking? And I would just have fun with it. I think when we're having fun, when we're feeling comfortable, when we're being ourselves, and when we accept that there are going to be people out there that are extremely attracted to us, and there are going to be people out there that, to be honest, you know, find us a complete turn off, and that's okay. 
you know, that's what makes it so magical that if everybody was attracted to us, it would get a bit boring after a while. So part of it is by meeting and, and speaking to lots of different people, we begin to shape the character of who we are as well as knowing what we want. So I just would say have fun and, and enjoy. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the program. Yeah, it's been awesome, Nikki. You've been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And if you're listening, you want to learn more about Nikki, some of the different things that she's done, uh, some of the different things that she's doing, I'm going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so that you can learn about her more easily. Thank you again. It's Dating Coach Chris Lona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.